On this show, it's only good vibes. Talking about music from Beyonce to Tribe. In the world where it's always politicking. Run, why your boy Kanye be tripping? I don't know, so we put it on the shelf. Listen to Comrade when he brings up mental health. Is Michael Jackson really the king of pop? There's no debate if you ask, be shocked. Conversation so tight, it be gripping ya. We love getting suggestions from our listeners. Do something foolish, try and run if you can. All you gonna do is end up a victim of Who's Man's. Welcome to another week of Who's Man's podcast. We hope you enjoy it. What up, though, everyone? Welcome to the Who's Man's podcast. I'm your host, Alana Dine, aka Mr. Taylor Mate. In the building with me, I got my man's comrade. What's up, my beautiful people? Welcome back to another episode of Who's Man's Podcast. We're excited to talk to you guys. We got a special guest, but before we do all that, let's find out who's here with us today. Guys, I'm I'm trying to preserve my voice, so please, I'm going to say Jackie, Tito, Tremaine, Marlon, Randy, I love you, Catherine and Joseph, God bless you, I love you, and please... I will be. Yeah, Michael was a beast. All right, wow. I never come from Michael Jackson. <laughs> well, I love never you. do that again. Wow. <laughs> I'm so like, bad. I, I feel like the introductions have just been going downhill every time. I think they're great. To be quite honest with you, like I felt that one. I mean, who's gonna say? Who's saying like I'm, I'm? I'm trying to preserve my voice, and then things full out like. <laughs> I, don't know, I love you, Mike. Anyways, when we love you, even though we're, we're sick of your shit already, <laughs> but we gonna make it. So, as Conrad mentioned, we got a special guest in the building once tonight. Longtime friend of all of us here at the podcast, the biggest baby herself, Dominique. Woo, 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 woo. Thank you. So happy to finally be here. <laughs> Yes, it is an honor to have you join us tonight. Can we call her Chef yeah, I, on the show? It really feels like we have a celebrity <laughs> on the show. Like, oh, like well, Chef Don. Chef, Don. Chef, Chef D. Wait, isn't I like it. Called? Chef D. Isn't, wait, isn't that someone called Chef D? Like uh, a oh, DJ, yeah, DJ Khaled? DJ Khaled. Yeah. No, we're trying Chef to be original. Oh. I mean, we've been trying to get her on the show for how long we've been oh. doing the show? Okay. I, f- I feel like we've invited her every week for like the last oh. year. True. And she's finally had the time in her Interesting. schedule. It she is. very our first commercial that we did. And we thought that that was going to come with like a guest appearance. <laughs> it didn't. I mean, we literally had her husband write the theme song. That was going to come with a guest appearance. It didn't. Her husband came back on, I think, two times. Which um, is crazy. He got invited twice before I even got one invite. Interesting. And we mm. just thought maybe she was like, a interesting. Microphone, just but hey, <laughs> finally. <laughs> Here we are. <clears throat> this is for the record, though. Like, Austin basically bullied us to get onto the podcast. Like, he told us he wasn't going to give us any type of music unless we let him on. So, you know, don't don't feel like we were just inviting him on willy nilly. Okay. All I even... can say is, I gave an idea. For me to be on the show, probably like seven months ago. Huh? Yeah. What? Yeah. I don't that. Yeah. Uh, I was like, "Hey, put me on here? the show. I want to talk about X, Y, Z." Yeah, I recall that. See <laughs> <laughs> my memory set up. <laughs> I mean, I know. <laughs> but it's cool. We right, 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 right. We here now. <laughs> All right. 
Feelings not hurt. You ain't got to talk about none of that old stuff. All, <laughs> I ain't crying. Like I said, it's an honor to have you. We're going to have some fun tonight. We're going to talk about some dope stuff. So before we get into all that, how y'all doing? How y'all been living lately? You going to have a good Thanksgiving? What about you? I'm good, man. It was a uh, chill Thanksgiving. I mean, other than having to work, I just had like a small um, Friendsgiving. Some of the people out here that I met that are also from Michigan that didn't go home. So it was chilling. Crazy. How about y'all? Man, so I went home to Detroit uh, to be with family. It was like my first time going home in like three months, which is a crazy amount of time for me. And as soon as I land, I basically catch the flu. Or I came down and I had the flu all weekend. And I barely left the house. My mom, like, hovered over me, would not let me do anything. She forced medicine down my throat. Uh, But it was great. (laughs) Other than, you know, feeling (laughs) like crap, it was cool. It was cool to just, like, sit there, be there. And I let my nephew think he was taking care of me, even though he told me he was sick of it. <laughs> so I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was my weekend. Um, and now I'm finally, hopefully, almost over it. Or over it, hopefully. We'll see. Don? We're very happy you're getting better. You know, we were thankful you were able to join us tonight. Oh, that's sweet. Oh, yeah. My Thanksgiving itself. It was pretty dope. Uh, got a chance to go back to Detroit as well. Spent some time with the family. Caught up with some of the extended family. Had a pretty good dinner. The food was on point. Definitely had one more plate than I should have had. So I was feeling stuffed for the whole rest of that <laughs> night. But you know, that's what the holiday is for. So I'm not really mad at myself. You know, I can't be too guilty about Dang. that. Oh, yeah. Uh, rest of the weekend was dope as well. Got a chance to catch up with Brian and Jared in the city. So it's always nice to see the friends. I got a chance to bring my little brother with me. So he finally turned 21 back in July. So now he can hang out with the fellas. So he got a chance. As I went, he hung out with me as I caught up with a couple of my boys from school. And then went out that night, met up with Brian and Jared. Put, put a few drinks in them, let him have some fun. He got a chance to, you know, turn up a bit. It was, it was funny seeing him act that way. He's a new it experience. It is so funny. <laughs> you, let him, you, let, you let your brother around, Jared? Yeah, and he actually liked him. Oh, man. I know. That's the oh, bad part. Everyone likes Jared too. Everyone likes Jared. <laughs> uh, but Ryan watching Ron's brother is like, is like, oh, this is what Ron would be like if he was just mad extra or mad hype. Like his brother was just bouncing around, like, hey guys, what's up? Yep, I'll do a shot. Okay, cool. Yeah, what's up? I'll take a drink. I'm like, yeah, that's my boy. Like. Right. Yeah, he still got that youthful energy though, that I lost <laughs> years of hanging out with y'all. <laughs> Ron, I, know, I don't think you it, tell I, Ron was just letting him have his fun too, because Ron was just over in the corner, like, yeah, go ahead up there. Mm-hmm. I'll be over. I watch the coats. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> like, let have fun. The only time I ever seen Ron hype is on was on his 27th birthday at. Uh, Trap karaoke. Besides that, I don't think I ever. Oh, I don't yeah, think I've it. ever seen you like. I mean, you you're having fun, but it's still like, I'm a cool dude, man. I'm chilling. What's up? You know, yeah, I like that music. <laughs> Give me a shot. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have a hand. <laughs> I got a brand to keep up. <laughs> uh, what about you, Dom? How was your holiday? It was really good. We had a family vacation in Alabama. I have a sister in Florida. And the rest of us are in Michigan, so we kind of just drove down 
Austin, my husband drove with uh, my sister and my mom in the back. So it was nice. We played games along the way. Everybody was together. My sister was pregnant with her second baby. So she Aww. announced it there at the family vacation. So that was really nice. Aww. But it was good. Aww. We Is went to oldest sister? Uh, my second oldest. She was my uh, matrix of honor for the wedding. Oh, um, then... Ghost's Ghost wife. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> And uh, we went to a museum and a memorial, and this was a memorial where they gave names to the people that were victims of lynching in this country. Oh, yeah. And that was powerful. And so was the museum. While the museum wasn't large, it was so impactful. It talked about like the impacts of slavery today. It talked about how inmates are treated. It talked about how some states have no minimum of how young, a, how old a kid would have to be to be tried as an adult. It was super educational and it really kind of highlighted a lot of the issues we have in America that kind of lead to the state of Black people today. Mm. So powerful, super sad, but I'm really happy that I have more knowledge in that area now. That's awesome. Doug, how did you-, you guys choose Alabama for vacation? Yeah, yeah, so the whole idea I mean, no is we don't. Alabama, <laughs> <laughs> the whole idea is we don't see each other that often. I actually see everybody quite a bit, but everyone else doesn't see each other that often. Was to be housed in a place that was kind of secluded, so we always choose a house like that's a little bit more remote. So we actually had to drive about an hour to get to Montgomery to go to the museum. So Alabama was just pitched by one of my sisters um, the year before we were in Georgia and the year before that we were in North Carolina. So just trying new spots that allows us to drive to it. Nice. Any sightseeing other than like like scenic views, like nature sightseeing? We went for a hike and that was lovely. But that's about it. Man, I just find it so dope. I I don't know. I love when because it's not something or stereotypical it's on knowing that black people don't like nature and stuff. So I always get hyped when I see and hear about black people taking hikes or going on hanging out in nature. Cause man, it, it breaks the status quo of what people think of us that we can't do. Unless you like black people don't like nature. Right. Okay. I mean I ain't saying me. I know I don't, but <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say <laughs> trying to get Brian to go hiking. Like, uh, uh, Brian, it's gravel. What about them snakes? <laughs> honestly i love being outside so like any opportunity i get to be outside as long as the weather is okay i'm all about it and a lot of people really do hate hiking but i think it's just because they haven't experienced it yet like brian True. have you gone on a hike yet i have and you really didn't like it i didn't mind it but i spent the whole time thinking about the snakes that were out there mm-hmm. and that were probably looking for me and <laughs> when I don't enjoy it. So you're doing a lot of... I've done it a few times. So you're doing... You're, like, when you're hiking, you're focusing more on the ground than what's around you. Oh, only. Oh, yeah. So you're wow. missing every... Well, that's the problem. You're missing a lot of things that, <laughs> that you got to take in. Well, if any of our listeners can offer a spot in the world where I can hike and know, and know, 100% know, snakes out there let me know and i'll be there <laughs> i'll be there we're on a mission now i'm trying to lead a campaign right. to get 
snakes, like, what do you call it, eradicated from the earth. So, why? Well, yeah. think you want to give it all of them? What do they do to you, bro? They're all evil. I mean, well, that's, that's, that's another well, example. Like, what experiences have you had with snakes to make you yeah, feel that I was going to ask that, that question. <laughs> um, thankfully, none. <laughs> and don't say Harry Potter. <laughs> That's what I'm most happy about. Uh, <laughs> uh, people always ask, why am I afraid of snakes? Because they're snakes. Look at them. What's to be, like, not afraid of? Um, Some of them are beautiful. Beautiful. That's usually how they kill you, too. That's the best part. It's so beautiful while you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> looking at it and now you did. Last word she said, the snake was beautiful though. Alright. <laughs> nah, we good over here. We good. Honestly, this is the 100% truth. The 100% truth. I love snakes. And the only reason why I don't have a snake is because I hate mice. And they eat mm. mice. And I couldn't mm. have frozen mice in the freezer or a live mouse. Nothing. So that's the only reason why I don't have a snake. I have no fear. I mean, obviously, if it's poisonous in a wild, that's a whole nother story. But I really do like snakes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're no, like you judging you. Right <laughs> <laughs> also, mm. like snakes. I'm over here writing it down. Like, hold up. <laughs> Put it next to her contact Careful. name. We'll not be going on a hike with Dom. All right, that works <laughs> <Okay>. great. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's go ahead and get down to business. So, speaking of wildlife, there's a, definitely a, a very exciting advancement in the movie world going on. So recently, they released a trailer for the new upcoming. I don't know if I can even call it live action, but let's just say live action uh, yeah. Lion King movie. You guys, can it? I do it? Can I do it? No, because I don't even know what it is. But I just... So you asked. Yeah. I wish I wish we could mute mute him. We need that functionality. Okay. So we know Brian's excited. What about you guys? Y'all y'all looking forward to this one? Don, you can go ahead. So I am excited about it. The only thing, and I haven't read up on it, the only thing that I'm hoping is that it's exactly the same from a story standpoint. Mm. Like, if anything changes that, I don't even think I can handle. I've seen a lot of jokes about people talking about how it's not really live action and it's literally just the animation like it was before. Nonetheless, I am really excited about it. I agree. I don't get that whole, like, (laughs) argument about the whole, oh, it's not going to be completely live action. Somebody said, like, did you expect them to teach lions how to sing? Well, like, yeah. <laughs> <in a year. laughs> but like, <laughs> looking for it. what I guess I would say is, if you compare it to like the Jungle Book, like those animals look a little bit more realistic than the Lion King animals. If you if you guys watched the pie, or like, well, did the tiger talk in that at all? I don't remember it. No, nah, we look way more realistic. Yeah. So when I first saw the trailer, I liked it, but it was thrown off because they looked like puppets. Especially when Rafiki climbed up that uh, Pride Rock in the trailer. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just missing the strings. But I'm with Dom. I hope it's to the T of what the Lion King is. So, because I'll be disappointed too. I think it'd be dope if they kind of change stuff up. Like what? Like what? 
Like, what if Scar ended up killing Simba, and then he just ends up taking over? <laughs> like, they just take it in a whole new direction? They wouldn't do that. Would. That's why. Leave it to Ron. Leave it to Ron. That's exactly what you end up being, like, badasses, and they take everyone out. See, I'm, I'm trying to change things up. I don't need more of the same. But don't call it the Lion King, yeah. man. Yeah. yeah. You gotta uh, call it, like, Hyena Hyena like Revenge of Scar or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all just want to go watch the same movie y'all already seen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> kind of the point. Like, yeah. So you're not watching see the live action remake. That's what they said. Oh, no, I'm going to go see it. Okay. Because I got to support my people. I feel my favorite people are in it. So I'm going to go show some love. I legit Let's like talking about people. lions in general. <laughs> that too. <laughs> I do feel <laughs> very connected with, with lions in general. <laughs> some of my favorite But people. I was specifically <laughs> talking about Donald Glover and Beyonce, like I always got support pretty much whatever they do. So uh, speaking of which, have y'all James, have y'all heard this stuff about? Um, oh, sorry. Have y'all heard about Beyonce and people have been criticizing if she's actually gonna be able to do good in this? <laughs> yeah, it's there's been a lot of talk about if that Southern accent is gonna work when she's voicing Nala. <laughs> exactly, because in the first movie, like she wasn't Nyla wasn't an expat. She wasn't like a. Texas Southerner that moved to Africa like that. <laughs> the story was written. Okay. Die if Nala third ward like until I die. What? Houston, <laughs> <laughs> Texas baby. <laughs> See, y'all tripping it. She's gonna do just fine because at the end of the day, we're talking about talking animals, bro. So it don't matter if she got a little accent on it. Uh, it, totally on it. But we're talking. We're talking about talking animals okay. from Africa. <laughs> from Africa, yeah. But they don't have African accents. Okay, would you no, complain you... that they talk like us? Who? The, all the rest of the animals okay, don't but... have accents. Right, let's be real. And people probably don't want to say that. <laughs> but Beyonce is a, a really bad actress, okay? Really bad. Actress. You will and... not talk about Beyonce like that. <laughs> I mean, that's just fact, though. Like, that's, yeah. <laughs> Come on, they got Nazi Carmen. Really the who? Carmen. That's your Carmen. go-to. That's my go-to. That was wow. Well, explains <laughs> a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it was literally no, an MTV I, film. But I have to say this. I have to say this. Obviously, that movie was interesting, but it wasn't. She wasn't a good actress in it. However, I do have to say what we do know about Beyonce is that Beyonce is an incredibly hard worker, and so I'm pretty confident. That she won't have her southern accent in the movie. I hope she does. I hope y'all have to sit there and listen to it all the way <laughs> like, through. What would you think that, like, a word? I'm trying to think of like words she would say that you'd be like, oh, there's that Houston accent. Lion King. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you want to be the Lion King, huh? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> oh, wait. Like, hey. <laughs> oh, would be, would man. That, like, would be disappointed in. Oh, you the like, hey. Well, I'm the queen. I'm queen B. Queen queen what? Oh, that's hilarious. Well, I'm, yeah, I hope she does well. I don't think, you know, she'll do well. I'm just happy that James Earl is still there. And Man, God yeah. bless James. 
I don't think Mufasa would have been any better if it was someone else than him doing it. I, I, probably, I really can't think of who could have done it. They probably would have gave it to Morgan Freeman, your favorite, Ron. Uh, if they gave it to Morgan Freeman, I wouldn't watch this movie. <laughs> That's off top. Really? Why? Why? <laughs> Wow, here what? we go again. Y'all well, know I do not fuck with Morgan Freeman. Let's hear it again. Why is that? Let's hear it again. We got time. None of us still understand. <laughs> oh, we got time for that? Yeah, we got time. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. Tell him. Because he's an asshole. I've never anyone say this before. Oh, so you don't listen to the podcast. Right, I've told this story. I'm sure I've told you personally. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally been over a decade at this point that I've not liked this dude. I'm, su- I'm so I'm surprised that you never heard him mention this before. But like, so back when I was in like ninth grade, so this had to be like 2005, he came to our school to speak to the students and we had like a lessons. and I'm not even going to lie, this is super petty of me because I don't even remember exactly how the conversation went. I just remember that he was an asshole to us and he called our questions stupid and he made us feel like we were wasting his time when he came to see us. So well, ever since then, I have not... I remember you telling us the question. I thought no, so if I remember right, the question that someone asked him was, what was your favorite role that you've done? And he made it seem like that was just a stupid question to assume that he would even have a favorite role because all his roles are so great, something like that. I honestly feel like I do remember the story, actually. <clears throat> you gotta so, let that hurt So go. since then, you literally nah. gotta let that go. Yeah, you gotta let it go, bro. If I ever see Morgan Freeman in the streets, y'all gonna see me in the news. <laughs> <laughs> The funny part is you probably can't find another student who even probably remembers that or hates Morgan Freeman because of it. Yeah, you, you know. probably see like your friends at a reunion and they're like, dog, fuck Morgan Freeman. Like, wait, what did Morgan do? Like <laughs> what, what happened? The person who asked Y'all remember how he was talking to us? Like, uh, <laughs> no, I, I just asked the stupid question. It wasn't even that bad. Like, come on. We good. <laughs> Look, at this point, it's just a part of who I am. I can't let that go. Mm. Wow. Well. Well, God bless James Earl Jones. Like, God. Hey, man, who's, who's in the second place over there with that spoon? Brian. Got it, Brian. Hold on. He's trying to Dang. get up. He's keep tapping it while you're talking to us. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Is that how you gonna get me to like Morgan Freeman? <laughs> he gonna hit the title. Look, I'm just saying. Wait till the next podcast. <laughs> no, but oh, this man, looks so, so this... good. It looks so so like expensive. I don't know. Like everything just looks nice, <laughs> and like I'm not prepared to see uh, Mufasa die in like high definition. Uh, I-, I can't do it. I'm probably gonna look away. Uh, it's just not something I should have to live through twice in my lifetime, but here we are because I will be there. Uh, and I will sit in front of a little kid and I will probably, you know, have a drink with me. Uh, because it's an adult movie and I don't think little kids should, be that's just my preference. <laughs> just go to the night show, man. <laughs> <laughs> don't be out there at eight in the morning <laughs> telling the kids to shut up. <laughs> I will be right at matinee. Just go like, to the 10 p.m. show, let's sit right in, right. <laughs> Did he I really am excited because honestly I haven't seen the movie in such a long time like obviously it's like one of everyone's favorites but I haven't seen it in so long I'm pretty sure there will be aspects that I forgot 
I wonder if yeah. how mad would y'all be if I told y'all that I thought the Lion King was just a little bit overrated. Uh, Rise. I won't be yeah. with you. Yep. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. you kind of sound like a hater this whole conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only one that's defending the movie. Y'all are coming, but coming you at Beyonce. No, no, no. You defended Beyonce. You're defending the movie. Yeah. <laughs> the part where we're making I'm defending her ability to keep the movie. Look, don't get me wrong. Lion King is a great movie. I'm not trying to say that. But I am a bit surprised with how how long people have been, like, in love with it. But, I did not think it would age as well. Really? I mean, I think, for, I don't know, I I'm not surprised at all. Like it truly was amazing. So, do you think Toy Story is overrated? Don't you? Oh no, Toy Story is top okay. number one. That's the number. One. That's their best one they've done. Number one, but it is Toy Story yeah. number one though. Yeah. No, no, no. I don't. Yeah, know I would put Toy Story one, one and three over yeah, Lion, King. Lion King. Oh yeah. yeah. I wouldn't be willing to do wow. that. Lion King but... can, can beat number two, but but one and three. I feel like everybody those. forgets. Like there's like a thirty minute portion. I never forget this from when I was a kid because this is when we all used to go to the bathroom. But there's a thirty minute portion in Lion King that is really kind of boring. It is like right when Simba becomes an adult, and right until like he goes back to Pride Rock. That whole portion right there is kind of like ugh. Like what's going on? Preach. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, find me a weak spot in toys. I'll wait. Okay. <laughs> okay, <laughs> do it. <laughs> Nonetheless, anyways, it doesn't rank above Lion King. I think that's a stretch. All right, what about Mulan? Because we're here. Yeah, now. I think Mulan actually is the Toy Story. What? Yes, so, I agree with that. Wait, Mulan rates higher than Toy Story. Yeah. Yep. One and three. Before we go any further, did you actually even see Mulan? Yep. Literally watched I've Mulan seen it more than once. Like, literally just watched it. It's amazing. It's good. And they're doing a lot of action of that, too. But Really? Toy Story? Yeah. Oh, that's going to be nice. I think for me, it was just because it was like a kid's movie that had a story and it had action in it. So it was like, I mean, I was glued to the TV the whole time. So Toy Story, Toy Story didn't have enough action. action for you? Oh, come on, right? When they almost died, dog? God, they almost died. <laughs> dog, they're toys. They almost died like every just, day. Yeah, every single, every single, every single day. day. They have consciousness, dog. How they have to get back to <laughs> their spot? Yeah, buggy. Right? See, y'all don't know. <laughs> All right. No, no, no. <laughs> It's a, rare, <laughs> it's a very rare occasion to have Ron and Brian on the same team, so I'll let y'all have it. Very true. <laughs> y'all have, right? It's, it's, it's been years. <laughs> Alright, so what about Aladdin then? Okay, All right. Don't be mad. I'm not a hater, but Aladdin don't do wow. nothing for me. It like wow. does nothing for me. It couldn't even be in my top mm-hmm. ten. I mean, honestly, Damn. Aladdin is nothing without Robin Williams' genie. Like, if else was, I wouldn't even care about Aladdin if it wasn't for Genie. I would say. True. Which That's I'm fair. excited to see Aladdin next year with uh, Will Smith playing Genie. Another live action. Another live action. They're just going to keep doing it. I know. We're here for <laughs> it. Aladdin was the first like animated or cartoon movie I watched when I moved to the States. Like That was the first movie I watched. So that's, and I'd never heard of any of like Disney movies other than Lion King coming from Africa. That was it. So I was like hyped to see that. So I guess for me it has a sentimental value to it. But it's it's good, Dom. Alright, you know what we should do then? We should dress up as a ladder, 
for the live action and go see it all together. All right. Are you gonna be? Are you gonna be the genie? I mean, come on. <laughs> are you gonna go blue face? <laughs> wow. I don't know. I don't know why it sounds offensive when you say that. I know it did a little bit. I was like, let me think about the answer. I put this out there. I was waiting what you were saying. The only people you can offend is the blue people in Kentucky. I just feel like I like permanent paint. They would have to walk around in that for weeks. That's me. That's just the risk you got to take. (laughs) <laughs> no, but Disney though, Disney is like uh, they just know what they're doing. Okay, they got literally every movie next year is anticipated from Disney. The number one movie is gonna be Avengers, obviously. That's coming out. Lion King is gonna blow every other movie out the water. You got Aladdin. You got what else they got coming out? I forget the slate, but. It's it's just boom after boom after boom after boom, and they're just gonna keep coming. Isn't Toy Story four gonna come in too? Next year, yeah. yeah. Which honestly, they could have kept. Okay, we were we were perfect with three. I was about to say, yeah, what, I agree. What are they gonna like? Does, has there been anything about what it's going to be? Nah, they like put the storyline trailer. Nah, I haven't seen anything. But you know what? I've learned to just trust them. They've yet to let me down. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they're printing money. Yeah. Must be nice. Well, all right, we we can go ahead and keep moving on to the next topic we got for tonight. Ooh. So, Dom asked a question earlier in the group chat. Do you, do you want to go ahead and bring it up, or do you want me to uh, introduce it? You can introduce it. <laughs> all right. So basically, uh, it's a conversation that we've touched on a little bit in the past, but we feel like we can really have a chance to really talk about it right now. So Dom asked us, when you're at work, when we're at our workplace, so all of us work in some type of professional environment, whether it be in an office or Conrad in the hospital or something of that nature, where you you have to basically put on a professional persona. And essentially what we want to talk about now is, do you bring your authentic self to work or do you do some code switching? Do you kind of do a mix in between? How do you feel that you professional you behave differently from personal you? What are your guys' thoughts on that? So to start, I do want to say I had this conversation with my white male mentor today at work, and I was just explaining to him like what it's like to be black and female in the workplace with a dominant white culture, but specifically white male. And I bring this up to say he didn't understand the word code switching. So we might, it might be helpful to the listeners to give a little bit of context because I thought it was a widely used term he had never heard mm-hmm. it either. so for starters like how would you guys define code switching so i think when i think of code switching it's basically putting on that professional face that you where you take all of the elements that you know wouldn't be accepted inside of the white workplace culture essentially like all the the hood slang maybe using certain terms or words that you know may not be as commonplace or even these days meme culture like you know a lot of those things tend to come from the minority community so you try to avoid saying those type of things and just continue to stick to being a professional enunciating you know make sure the clothes I wear always fit a certain way or you know making sure that they feel comfortable around me necessarily and I don't want to feel like I'm sticking out because of my race when I think of code switching 
Yeah, for me, uh, code switching is just basically, I think about it as <clears throat> a linguistic code, like a language or switching from one dialect to another when you're in a professional workplace. Same reasonings as Ron was saying, like, if you're used, depending who you can speak with, depending on, like, what if you want to use slang or, for instance, at in our lab, majority of the, all the Black folks are definitely speaking the bonics to each other. But when we turn around and our white coworker starts talking, we're definitely not speaking Ebonics to them. And we're more, you know, I don't even know how to, I don't want to say proper English, but we're using terms and um, phrases that they would understand even when we're in a joking matter. So I guess that's how I look. And I wouldn't talk to my manager in that way. Or if my manager shows up, I'm definitely not going to be, you know, using slang, talking to them. Because they don't, and they haven't given a comfortable, made it comfortable for me to be able to talk to them in that nature and for them to be understanding of that. So that's what I think about code switching. Yeah, I almost think of it like multiple personalities. Like they're all me or split personality. Like they're all me, but the real me only comes out when I'm most comfortable. And that is never at work. I'm never most comfortable at work. Um, there may be some people who I work with who see, you know, 65% of Brian. And then there's people who, who like know Shockley and they see like, even though they only see like 85%. Um, it's very, very rare whether you're like, oh, I just feel like I can be all out with this person or with these people who I work with. I just don't trust them. I guess I didn't even think about this. Uh, it might just come natural to me, but I code switch just being a foreigner when I'm with family and when I'm with my friends. Um, <clears throat> I know some people catch it if I'm like speaking with my mom on the phone or with my dad. My the way my accent will might come out in some things I say, and then uh, I know like for instance, like Jared has sometimes pointed out, like you sound completely different when you're talking to people from back home than when you're talking with us. I was like, I don't notice it, but it just happens. Mm -hmm. um, so that's another way to think about it. I have to say, <clears throat> I actually saw this happen. <laughs> huh? <laughs> so, we were at the Gustava, and you were uh -huh. talking to me and Austin. And then 30 seconds later, you were talking to someone that you call auntie. And then you were a totally different person. <laughs> we were like, what in the world? <laughs> <laughs> you sounded like you flew straight from Africa that day. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it was nice to see because, you know, you were just comfortable, you know? Yeah. I mean, even the way I introduced my name to when I introduced to someone who is foreign and someone who's American, like when I introduced my name and it's someone who I know maybe is like from the British dialect, I'll say, Conrad instead of Conrad because if I say Conrad here they're gonna be like what <laughs> so <laughs> it's just it's little things like that that you don't realize you're doing it but you're doing it you're switching yeah. code did you say did you say with a British accent huh like say my name with a, with a British accent I don't have a British accent like yeah. you Brian so I don't know if you I know you it'll I work know. out you're too well to hear it with one <laughs> I got it Oh, Anyways, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dom, you want to keep talking since we have you know, the... Oh, yeah. Sorry. Um, so, for me, 
I initially earlier today, I was just kind of thinking and I told this mentor that like, hey, I'm not, that's not something that I do. And I know that it comes with a cost, but it's something that I'm not willing to do. But as I listen to your conversations, I realize in some ways I do code switch now that I'm hearing your definition. But I think it's a, an, uh, it's a, I don't know, I feel like mine is kind of minute versus like, I don't do the whole, I answer the phone and I have a totally different voice and all of that stuff that's common because I just can't. But what Conrad said about when you turn around and you're talking to a circle of black people and then now you're interacting with someone else at work that's not black. Yeah, those conversations really do sound a lot different. And I never realized that until just now. Like, it's probably like, girl, you know. And then I'll turn around and be like, yeah, actually, it is. Like, you, know? I was, you know what, Kathy? Like, you're totally right. Exactly. <laughs> and so I didn't really, until this moment, I hadn't realized that that was something that I did. Because I used to seriously pride myself on just being like, hey, this is who I am. Now... Like I said, I count that as a cost. Like I'm, I'm not saying that I will probably ever be in a corporate environment where that's completely accepted, but I have just kind of decided that I'm just going to be me. It's a lot easier. I think the, Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was, I was just going back to what you said about like how you were proud of the fact that you, you wanted to like go into your workplace, place me. How did you get there? Like, when did that start? Was it day one? Was advice to you? Or, like, where'd you get that, like, that confidence to go in as just yourself? Yeah, so that's, like, exactly what I was leading to. I think the big thing, though, is that I have been in the same company for, like, over six years. So, at some point, you have a reputation that goes before you and results that speak for themselves. And so, I would say that's definitely not how I would have felt three years ago. Three years ago, very concerned about you know, building my reputation, how people view me, is his hairstyle appropriate, X, Y, and Z. Now, in the last three years, I didn't wear everything from a curly fro to now I have locks. Like, it's just, I don't know, I felt like what happened is hearing enough speeches about people telling you to be your authentic self, and then they don't really feel real. But I took a step back, and I was just like, well, what is the real consequence? The consequence is that people can't view you as less professional because you don't fit the code of what it means to be white. But what's the bigger cost of, like, being who they want you to be? Being tired, being unmotivated. Like, it literally is exhausting to be so concerned about things that are not related to the actual performance. Mm. And I'm just like, "Mm," for my whole health, like, for my mental health and for, like, literal physical health it's just not worth it if your companies or i wouldn't say your companies are not but if you're working in a in a professional uh setting and you felt that that job didn't allow you to be your authentic self and you're now noticing that your mental health is stressing and so forth but at the same time you need that income do you still leave or do you how do you weigh that out to like leave or stay, especially if that's like an income that you need, or like for instance, you've been there for two years and you don't have that repertoire or that, you know, the work to show that, you know, I they are doing great work. So we'll let them be themselves. Do you guys leave? Do you stay? Cause I feel like, I don't know, I don't work in corporate. I feel it's more, you hear these stories more in like being in a corporate field. And I think all of you are in that side of the 
uh, spectrum. So I always want to hear what the corporate world thinks about that. I personally feel like I could say. If... Oh, go ahead, Ron. Go ahead. All right, well, I was going to say that I, I, when I was in a position like that, so I recently, well, I previously had a position where the company I was at really had a certain cookie-cutter mode for the type of employee that they liked, and I just feel like that didn't fit the personality that I had and what I brought to the table. It didn't stop me from being able to actually complete my work, but it did lead to a lot of dissatisfaction with the interactions I was having with you know, managers and certain higher-up coworkers because I just didn't feel like that they were looking at me to be someone who can go to that next step because I didn't fit into the mode of the personality type they were looking for. Even if I did code switch, like I can definitely strip away some of the more ignorant parts of my personality that don't belong in the workplace. Like I have no problem doing that because it just feels like regardless of whether it be a black thing or whatever, there's just certain things in the workplace that you should keep professional. But what I can't do is change up who I am entirely in order to fit into the mode of what someone wants me to be in. So when I was in that position, I, I stuck in it for a while. I stayed probably an extra year or more so than I wanted to because even though I was looking for another job, I didn't, couldn't find one and I needed some money. Like I couldn't go back to making no money. So I stuck it out and I suffered from it. It gave me anxiety issues, but eventually I was able to find a way to get out of that position and much happier after doing so. Hmm. Yeah, so one of the things I think was key about what you just said is like, there are some aspects that really shouldn't be at work in the first place. So I think it starts with that evaluation. So I'll just use this as an example. You know, like the head wraps that women wear for fashion. Like mm. if your dress code says that people can't wear head coverings unless it's religious, you can't be upset that somebody won't let you wear your head wrap if you think that's you being your authentic self. Like, no, you have a code of conduct and that is not a part of it. And mm. so I think there's like limits but if someone is if you feel judged because you are wearing braids or as a man you decided to grow your hair out I sometimes think it's a bigger issue in our head than an actual execution so you look around no one looks like you and no one's doing it and you feel like okay I won't fit in here and that's probably true but if you actually do it you might feel more free than thinking that oh man I'm not going to be accepted if I actually do it if that makes sense like I think sometimes the bondage is in our head. There will be people who obviously hate it, think it's unprofessional, it's not polished. But I, in my personal experience, those people were harder to come by. And also because they're not going to vocalize it because that's just not right. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, but like I said, it, it can, it does come at a cost. It could potentially prevent you from being viewed as the, the best candidate for the next role or the next level. Um, of management but at the end of the day you're not gonna get fired tomorrow because you grew out your beard and everybody else is clean shaven like that's just not gonna happen and if it did I mean that's not legal you know right do you think our generation is saving that like it's changing the way the work field is seeing what being your authentic self is I don't know if I would say saving I would say the courage of this new generation is like building on what has already been there from the older generation. I remember when I started um, at my company eight, eight and a half years ago now, um, I was literally taught or told how I should act. I was told how I should speak. I was told who I should speak like that to. I was told how I should approach this title not this person, but this title, title, 
Um, and it wasn't until like years later, later, maybe five years later, where I found out like, oh, that's some some BS. Like that was totally wrong. And that person, thankfully those people are like retired out of the company, but they were telling me wrong. And thankfully this new generation who's coming into the workforce, you know, they're being coached by me now. So I have that perspective and I have some of that that knowledge of what was right and what was wrong. And I can kind of tell them like, you know, this is yours to move forward and you have to take this and and give it to that next generation who's going to come in after you. And when you kind of see that at work and you kind of see, you see, um, you see the new generation kind of take it on and give it to the next who's going to come in after them. That's like the most beautiful thing because you actually feel like, oh, in some small way, some small shape, shape or form, I've made a difference uh, via this person. That's real. I think that's beautiful when it happens. But in my narrow perspective, I just don't know if I've been exposed to that as much. I think there's a handful of people in this generation that are all about like, hey, you can be employed anywhere. Don't forget that this isn't the only company in the world. Find a culture that fits you. Don't change yourself for the culture. But I think most people are, they're really chasing a position, chasing a title, and they just want to play the rules of the game to get there, even if that comes at the expense of not being who they truly are. That's very true as well. Because, I mean, you, you see people who are like, who hate their job, but they're making six figures and that's all they care about is like, I'm making great money. So what? So what? I don't, I don't want to have to be my authentic self because when I get to go home, I get to enjoy this money. I get to be myself at home and this, this and that. And everyone is different though. Some people can tolerate that. I can be, I can be able to do that to go to work and be drained every day I'm at work because I can't come home then and be the same person that I was because I'm already tired from being at work. Mm-hmm. Not from the work itself, but just like Don was saying, just mentally reminding myself that I have to be some type of way that's not really who I am outside the professional work field. So I guess there's for different people. What sort of different strokes for different people, or however, however you say that. Different strokes for different, for different folks. folks. Yeah. So it definitely is not like I hear some people say I can never work in corporate America. I am one of those people. I don't feel like I could ever be like a myself don't feel that way um i admire those who are me because i've been able to stick it out at one company it's just different for everyone and we all i just i appreciate that when i see it in different people um i've seen some crazy shit and i say it that way because that's exactly what it is crazy shit over these eight years that i've been at this company or that company i'm not gonna say the name uh but it is it is not for the faint of heart, and I I know that uh, I'm sorry, Michigan State just went to overtime. Uh, I know that <laughs> if it hey, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. If it weren't for uh, if it weren't for like a great foundation and great support system with my friends and family, there is no way that I would still be working at the company I work at. There is no way. You know, I would be in the position that I have been in and that I want to go back in. Um, As far as bringing my authentic self to work, every year I get better at it. 
Um, I think now I realize that's a me thing and it's not like a company thing. Like that's up to me to do that. Whereas I used to think like, oh, you guys have to make me feel comfortable enough to be able to do that. Now I know like, no, you, Brian, this is all up to you to kind of do that and understand how important it is for you to do that for yourself and for this company you work for. That's like the biggest lesson I've learned over the past few years. I think that's so key. Like no one's going to come up to someone and say, like, hey, if you casually use the African-American vernacular in this meeting, it's acceptable by us. <laughs> like, <laughs> no one's going to do that. <laughs> so, oh, that would be actually embarrassing. I agree with Brian. Like, it, it comes with learning that. Like, but before where I am now, I just felt like in the past, the earlier three years of my career, I felt like I was subconsciously waiting for someone to say, hey, it's acceptable if you do this. And that's just never going to happen. The other thing I wanted to say, though, is that I think there are even more nuances to being your authentic self outside of race and gender. For example, I think about the dominant culture of being extroverted, for example, or people, just how people do work and approach work. And those things could be just as draining. Like, you know, some people... It depends on how people know me. People outside of work think I'm super extroverted. People inside of work like, hey, she doesn't say a lot, but when she says something, it's value added. But I, for so yeah. long, I'm just kind of looking around, and to Brian's point earlier, you get the script of what it means to be successful. And so you're like, okay, well, I need to speak up in meetings, and I need to be sitting here generating thoughts and asking provocative questions, all this other stuff, and you really are tired. And it's just like that part is just as hard, too, because my authentic self, it's like, hey, let me sit back, observe. If I feel like we're going off track or if I really do have a valuable point to add, let me add it. But other than that, yeah. I don't need to be seen. That is so true. That's, I, that so is, true. Like, that's true because I experienced that because I'm on the opposite side of that. Um, working in a lab is probably the most, historically, is the most introverted job there is in science field. You're in the lab, you're doing your own thing. A lot of the time you're working by yourself. Um, so with the younger generation coming up, not all of it, but majority, at least in our lab, the younger folks are a little bit more energetic, extroverted. Um, and, uh, the older generation in there is introverted. So there's always a clash on how to communicate and how Dom was saying that it can be draining for someone who's introverted to see that, hey, everyone else that's being successful in front of me right now is an extrovert. They're asking questions. But also those who are extroverted trying to communicate with someone that's introverted is also, I wouldn't say draining, but it's also very hard as far as communication. And I had to learn the hard way because some of the people there, I was like, well, this person is coming off like a snap. They don't want to talk to me. I'm trying to ask a question like, hey, this patient A and B, and I'm like, you know, hey, so what what do we need to do with this person? And I'm just like, they're looking at me like, yo, step back. You're getting too close or you're too loud. Or, and I had to learn that, well, this is just their personality. So I, I guess it goes both ways. Like, you got to learn who you're, t- you got to learn about your environment, who you're talking with, your the people you work with. And I, it's just all about growing. In the, in the in your workplace and if you can't grow in your workplace mentally then it's okay to think about leaving i mean there's there's nothing wrong with that 
if you think your if your skills are what you say they are and you're credible and you're a person who works hard, then it won't it should it won't be hard. It'll work out for you to go to the next place and find a place that works best for you. I, I'm always for that. But I had to think about that since Tom said that. Why what? Why do you think why do you think that way? Because that's a that's a uh, a stereotype of like the what is this generation called? The millennial millennial generation is that hey, they they're not loyal, they will always seek what's best for them, not what's what's best for them now, not what's best for their future or long term future. Think that way, like, hey, if it's not working out for me, I can always do or find something better, as opposed to if I stick this out longer, it will get well, better. I guess what I'm looking at it as that if I'm being affected to where I can't help the company grow because I'm thinking too hard about how I should act and be, and I'm not happy, mm-hmm. I'm gonna help the company in the first place. So me sticking it yeah. out longer and I'm not happy, I'm doing the work, but it's. I don't feel like I'm being fulfilling. Why should I risk my mental health? Or why should I risk the way I feel? But then wouldn't you take mentality to the next company or no? No, it it depends on the person of who you are. If everywhere you go, at at the end of the day, if if you're going from workplace to workplace and you're only staying for a few minutes and you're leaving, one, obviously you're going to, if you keep saying, oh, I'm just going to quit because, you know, whatever, I'll just go find the next place. Eventually, jobs are going to look at your resume and be like, so why were you here for this long? Or why are you here for yeah. that long? But if you're someone who's really genuine about how you feel and what, you're, what you think your self-worth is, why not leave? What's wrong with that? Because I do understand. I, I mean, I would I honestly compare it. Sorry, go ahead, Ron. I was going to say, I would honestly compare it to being in a relationship with another person. Like, why sit here and suffer and be mentally unhappy thinking of oh if I just tough this out it'll get better or I can make it work when if you know that you can or you feel confident that you can find happiness somewhere else why not go for it Mm, that's a good example I guess Brian what why do you think I'm assuming you feel opposite right you feel like you should feel opposite I don't feel like I'm a part of this generation we could probably start there but I guess you may not you can't it's fact that you are (laughs) debatable debatable but every time we have like a DNI conversation, diversity and inclusion conversation at work, especially around the different um, age groups, that's always the thing around around millennials is like they're not loyal. It's like always negative. It's like they're not loyal. If they if you don't make them happy, they'll leave. Pick it out. They won't. They don't like uh, you know tough feedback. Uh, they want everything to them. That's literally about millennials and I never agree with that when I hear that assessment but based off of what I just heard from you that is kind of what they're saying saying. it's like oh if if it's not made to my liking or if I'm not happy right now then I want I'm gonna go find something better instead of like well is it what if it's you like what if it's not the company it's you bringing that to the company I think that's what I was getting at but maybe I heard you wrong yeah, it's two different things, I think. Because you're, we're talking about being your authentic self at work, right? And being able to thrive, not only as an employee, but thrive to help your company grow, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that if you're trying to be authentic self, and I guess I didn't, I didn't say it all, like you have tried to stick it out and you've tried to see 
you know, different ways to make it where you can be yourself or you can do good work and still have, you know, and still go home and feel that you did something and it's not working. Why stay? Is that's what I'm trying to say? Not because that, oh, I, just, I haven't, I'm not doing, I'm, maybe I'm not performing well and I don't want to accept that I'm performing well, not performing well. And my manager comes to me and says, hey, I need you to do this a little better. And then I take it some type of way and then say, you know what? I'm just going to leave. Then, because that's how I feel like they look at millennials in that aspect. Like yeah. taking criticism in the, the wrong way or being soft about how people talk to you and taking like, tough love but I guess I'm not really explaining it in that aspect anyone else have to say anything Dom? Sure yeah I feel like Ron's comparison to relationships was pretty spot on it's not that millennials mo- yeah <laughs> millennials just jump ship when we're like hey I don't like this work or whatever it's like in, in, in a relationship yeah you try to make it work you do the things that you need to do and put your effort in. But at the end of the day, if it's not a good fit, I don't see any reason why somebody should have to struggle, especially from a mental health standpoint, when there are so many other jobs out there. So I don't think the, the negativity that comes with our generation is looking at this situation specifically. I think it's more so around, hey, I'm going to just be here for a year, learn what I need to learn, but then get my money, go somewhere else, get a raise. Like when you leave, when no, when everything's fine, you have no issues with the culture, you're just leaving and it's all about you and what you can get versus what you can give. But I think when it's a, a culture issue, like, no, you've been putting in the results, you've been working. And at the end of the day, you just can't make it work. Then I think that's different. And I don't think that's like specific to our generation. I think, yes, there are people in the past who would leave no matter what, but I think most people, when they're up against the wall and it's clearly not a fit, they're willing to make the move. Let me ask you guys something. Do you guys feel any type of responsibility in building the culture at your company? Say that again, sorry? Do you feel like any type of responsibility in culture at your company? So this We're changing is comp- the culture. If you this is conflicting for me because today the reason why I had this conversation was with my white male mentor was specifically so that he could be aware and as a people leader drive the change as well on his end but I don't think that so I think anytime you do come to work in your authentic self you obviously give other people permission to do the same because I think we all look around mm-hmm. and we go hey does anyone else have a beard here? Okay, cool. He has a beard, so I could probably go my beard and that'll be fine, you know? But I still don't... So I think we we do it but kind of like really leading a change and like having dialogue around it and trying to get other people's buy-in. That's probably too much and more than I could do given my schedule. You know what I mean? So I feel bad because a part of me is like, hey, I'm going to voice this opinion to my white male mentor and he can drive the change. But if this don't work for me too much longer, then I just won't be here. And that just is what it is. So I'm on both sides of the fence there. Hmm. I, yeah, I guess that's I don't know how to answer that question, to be honest. Be shocked. I would say that I don't think I feel that responsibility, just given the position I am and where I fall on a totem pole. Like, I'm still in the first decade of my career, so any position I go into, I'm working for somebody who works with somebody who likely works with somebody. 
and there's only so much change that I could drive at my level. I do think that I take my personal responsibility and I've always communicated with my managers, like at the role I talked about previously, that I feel like being who I am that won't allow me to succeed here. And then I, I leave it up to them to decide, are they going to let that become true or are, they, are we going to take the steps to figure out how can someone who doesn't fit that cookie cutter model of what you guys want an employee to be can still succeed. And at that time, I didn't feel like that change was happening. So that's why I didn't feel like I had any responsibility to try to drive that change when who knows how long it would take me to get into position to make that happen where in the meantime, I'm sacrificing my own happiness and health. Yeah. Yeah. Brian today says you are 100% responsible. You should feel 100% responsible for the culture at your company as much as you have. As, I'm sorry, I shouldn't be watching this basketball game while we're recording, I know. But as much as you um, have ownership over it, you should feel that, like Dom did, I love hearing that story about you taking that feedback to your people manager and, and holding them accountable to what you expect to see. Um, you're also responsible for what you bring. So if you feel 100% authentic in being yourself and somebody makes you feel that, you should be able to share that and share with them why you feel bad in that way. A few weeks ago at our company, we had, um, as part of our diversity and inclusion initiative, which we can have a whole conversation around DNI and why it, it can be much better everywhere. Um, but we had this topic around the, what did they call it? The straight white male. And, if you can imagine uh, when they introduced this topic about a month ago before it was going to be discussed, there was so much conversation happening. Why do we need to talk about this? Why the straight white male under attack? Why do they feel it was happening? CEO got up on our new CEO, got up on stage two weeks ago. This topic was going to be discussed and said the simple fact that people feel so... Uh, what's the word? Uh, they feel so confident in themselves, or they feel so confident in this company and confident in their position and confident in them that they're willing to say, don't feel comfortable with this topic, or they're willing to say why they don't feel comfortable with this topic. That is the place we want to get to, where every person feels like they can voice their displeasure. Every person feels like they can say uh, what is working and what's not working, because until we get there we're never going to have the culture that we all need to really be successful. So that's why I do feel like every person is, should feel 100% responsible for their company's culture. Um, and every person should feel comfortable, like holding those who are people managers accountable for whatever they are bringing to the table or not bringing to the table. Hmm. I wouldn't have said that eight years ago. Though. I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, but all right, anything else you want to throw in on this? I do want to throw something else in there. Uh, as Michigan State's about to lose this game, uh, I do want to say, like, I I feel so passionate about this topic because I do feel like I took some years off of my both professional and probably personal life um, by not bringing my authentic self to my company, um, and the fact that I continue to this day to not. 100% bring that Brian to that company is something I still struggle with, but there, it's a reason for that. Um, and, and I mean, look, it, it comes from 
how I was brought up at home. It comes from what I saw at work. It comes from managers that I've had. It comes from all those different areas. And I just hope when that comes up after me, and I already see it um, in many different ways, but I hope they feel so empowered and so confident in who they are that they walk into whatever company or whatever organization or whatever place of business that they go and choose to work for. And they feel that, Hey, I'm not here just to earn a paycheck. I'm here because this company needs me. That's what I tell students every time I go and recruit that, Hey, we're only here because we need you, not because you need us. If you go into it thinking like that, you will make this company so much better and you'll make yourself so much better. So appreciate you, Dom, for bringing that up because it's something I still struggle with every single day. Hmm. Yeah. I'm about to switch it up real quick. Does your authentic self tell your coworker that doesn't know how to draw the line and when to be nosy and is always in all everybody's business? Y'all have one of those coworkers at your at place? <laughs> and let me let me, let me let me let me let me uh kind of break this down to you. So let's say let's say Ron and I have a conversation, right? And then Brian joins the conversation from he was hearing from a di- oh I just don't want to put Dom's guest. <laughs> um so Brian over here is talking, so he jumps in. So Ron, I don't have an issue with it. So Brian, still in our conversation, hears Dom and Austin having a conversation and just leaves ours right away off the bat, goes to that conversation. No idea what's talking about, just jumps right in and starts having a conversation. Then leaves. Then Ron and I have a switch up the conversation in our another group, and that same person, Brian, comes back. I have an issue with that's a pet peeve for me. Like I have an issue when people are overly nosy. I don't even think that's a way to even say it. But how do you guys deal with people at work? When I guess this is where I know I'm not 100% my authentic way because I don't want, I don't know how to express myself to people at work without feeling like I'm coming off as, I don't know, maybe mean or not friendly. But there's a, there's a like a, a certain amount where I can take it like, dog, like, can you just mind your business? Like, you have other work to do. Like, why are you jumping from conversation to conversation? You can see people in people's um, demeanor that, they're kind of irritated that you just keep, you know, being nosy. So I don't know how to deal with that. And that's a pet peeve of mine, just in general. Like, I'm not, I don't like to jump into people's business. So for me, when people are like just all up in your business and have no idea what you're talking about and then speak ill about something that is not even what you're talking about, it bugs me. But I don't know how to express myself to those people without feeling like I'm being unauthentic. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think this one is a little interesting because I think as a black male, you have to make sure that you aren't quote unquote intimidating or aggressive. And then in my case, the angry black woman. So there is like sensitivities that you have to have, unfortunately, when addressing something like that. Yeah. You know, and so that's the part that sucks because of the biases that already come in a situation based on how you look. And so I have not dealt with this personally, but just thinking about it, like you really do have to be careful. <laughs> like you- because with my other black coworkers, 
I guess we're comfortable enough to it because I was like, dang dog, he knows he brown, chill out. And he it, it will not it's nothing, it's nothing. They're like, all right, and, or I'll say something smart back to him. But obviously with my white coworker, I'm not or co-workers, I'm not gonna be like, damn dog, like chill, like why are you in our business, right? Because <laughs> then it's a wrap. <laughs> You right. Know? That's funny. So You're right. <laughs> so it's like it's I will acknowledge that they're there, but I'll just keep having a conversation with the person having a conversation. But then like Brown saying how we've been raised and all this, that's disrespectful that I'm ignoring someone that's in the circle. You know? So I'm just yeah. like, so then I but then I'm like, this has nothing to do. And sometimes it can be a conversation that is supposed to be personal between or something about work that isn't supposed to be heard by everyone, you know. So we're in a in this area where we're trying where you can see that it's supposed to be an intimate conversation, you know, about something, and here someone comes, you know. But I figured I'd ask you guys that because I think that has to me. I feel like that also expresses how authentic you are of yourself at work. Are you comfortable enough to just be like to express yourself without being scared that there's going to be some repercussion of you being, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. a thin line to tread, especially when coming from the black community, because those stereotypes are real. <laughs> All right, y'all. So we're gonna go ahead and switch it up and move on to our final topic for tonight. So those of you who have been listening this month, you are aware that this month's album is Tracy Chapman's self-titled debut albums, selected by our very own Dominique, which is why she's here to join us so we can talk about this. So Thank you for suggesting this one for us. I'm passing it off to you to give your thoughts on the album and give us a little bit of background information. Okay, so the Tracy Chapman album, this was her first album that I recommended that we listen to. And I chose it because as I was sitting there thinking about what I wanted to recommend, I went through the list and I was like, should we talk about Mario? <laughs> should we talk about <laughs> I love Mario. Mario would have been hype. Hey, <laughs> I want to know your name, man. I want to know your name. <laughs> okay. But, <laughs> but then the third person that came to mind was Tracy Chapman. And I grew up listening to Tracy Chapman in the house with my parents. And I have Tracy Chapman on vinyl. And it's just something about this woman's voice that I just think is so golden. Like, she just has such a beautiful sound. And I was just thinking if there, since I had the opportunity to present an album, that I definitely wanted to present someone who whose work I value, but also who definitely is like holding her own and had a super successful career, but just not a part of this generation. So for anyone who hadn't listened to her music, I wanted to expose them. Very nice. Very nice. We appreciate that. So let's go ahead and give our ratings. So Dominique, I'll let you start off. Out of five flame emojis, how many would you give to this album? Ooh, I thought it was, see, I forgot the scale. I thought it was one to 10. All right, so five. Then I would have to do, can I do half flame? Oh, yeah, you can get half a flame. Okay, okay. So I'm between a three and a half and four exclusively because, no, I'm going to give it a solid four. I'm going to give it a solid four. And this is mostly because the songs that are powerful are just kind of, well-written she has great storytelling abilities i can picture most of the songs i literally visualize but then i couldn't give her a full five because there are just a few songs on the album that are just rather boring for the lack of a better word 
right. So what about you, Conrad? How many flame emojis? I give it a four out of five. Um, and uh, I think I'll just save my reasonings because otherwise I'll say it all. <laughs> but I give it a four out of five. Similar to Dom as far as like some more of the songs were slightly boring, but I still really enjoyed this album a lot. All right. What about you, Mr. What about T-Cup, you, Ryan? Brian? What about you, Ryan? <laughs> I'm going to let Ryan go first because it's his birthday. It was last. Oh, it was my birthday? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where it's coming from. <laughs> All right. I'll go ahead and go before you. Um, so I'm personally going to have to give this one. Please don't hate me down, but I'm only going to give it two flame on oh, face shots. Nice. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> now, this is definitely no disrespect to the quality of the music, because the reason why I do give it a few emojis is because I definitely felt the emotion in her voice, and I feel like the words she was saying were meaningful to her, and, and she was there to convey the strong messaging. But it just honestly, the music did not stand out to me as being what I look for when I'm looking for something to listen to these days. And I admit my my ears have become just a bit more adaptive to just what you hear in modern day music. That's a little bit more busy, a lot more going on with the instrumentation and all that. So for me, hearing the folk sound where, you know, very minimalistic beats, basically just listen to the soulful voice of Tracy. While I appreciated it because she's a wonderful singer, it just didn't stick out to me as being something that I'm going to go back and listen to often. Yeah. So I'm going to give it the two emojis. Okay. Ryan, before you speak, put the so cup was- in the sink. <laughs> like we're trying to survive um so what was everybody's favorite song so you're not gonna give a rating how many emojis brian Uh, you didn't listen right uh i did i did yeah i did um i just want to start by saying how much i love dom and respect her and how (laughs) she's literally one of my favorite people one of the funniest people you will meet um and i love music um what are you about to say? Come on. You about to say zero. I'm about to say negative emoji. <laughs> I I I I I give the album um I'm scared like a little bit. Uh I give it two flame emojis. Okay, here's the thing. No, um, you, be authentic. Be authentic so no, no, no. really that, that, that is authentic. <laughs> that is authentic. Um and I'll tell you why I gave it two. Uh I love the storytelling. I love, I like, I appreciate, don't say you love it, I appreciate that (laughs) her voice is different. Um, I just spent the whole album kind of like, oh, I wish someone could remix this and like somebody else could sing it. And that was the only thing. And I feel really bad saying that. (laughs) If you want the beat change and the voice change. I just want a whole album, (laughs) different instrumentals, and a different artist. Right. I told you earlier I had the flu, so this could (laughs) sound like charges to my head, not my heart. (laughs) Wow. All right. A house divided. Yeah, that's wild. Okay. It's okay, Brian. You're entitled to your opinion. I don't think there's going to be any bad blood because he wasn't feeling this one. Austin coming for you. Overall, this is a three album if you average it out, right? Three emojis. Okay, never mind. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where you're going with that. Right, one. Let's, let's, let's keep moving on. Let's talk a little bit more about the emotional aspect. So, as you guys are listening to this album, what were some of the themes you noticed, or how did it make you feel while you were listening to it? Hmm. I can go first. Um, go for it. 
first time listening to it, I was a little thrown off, to be honest. Um, I honestly thought I didn't know any song on there until Fast Car came on, and um, I was very surprised that I heard this song maybe when I was in middle school with one of my aunties. Um, and I, to be honest, the whole time I thought it was a white woman sang that song. I did not know it was a black woman. And because I wasn't, I was surprised with the folk song, the folk artist in her. So the first time I listened to this album, I wasn't really paying attention to the lyrics. I was just drawn to her voice. And the second time I listened to it, I went through, you had different emotions. I think I texted you guys because the first time, of course, it started with like, uh, do you want a revolution? Um, and then it went and it what you like felt empowered and you felt you can do anything. And then she hit you with some real stuff with behind the walls. And that was like, I wasn't ready for that, <laughs> especially after like the first two songs. And then she keeps getting really um, visual with her lyrics talking about domestic violence. And then she goes into you know, being a lover and loving your partner and all this. So it was just, it was a roller coaster. You, I feel like you felt all the emotions in this album. Um, so that's how I felt. What about you, Dom? Yeah, so I agree with Conrad. I think for me, so when I hear like uh, Ron's rating, it makes perfect sense. Like, because for me, what I was drawn to about Tracy as a child was her voice. And I'm also the type of person where if I'm hearing an artist and they have a great beat, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to hear the song in an acoustic version, you know? So for me, that was captivating. But I do totally agree with the um, concept of there wasn't a lot going on from an instrumental standpoint. And I knew I was taking a risk <laughs> with pitching a folk artist. I knew that. But I think it was so powerful. I think the overall feeling, unfortunately, of the album is sad and that's one of the things that I didn't necessarily love because it re talking about a revolution it's like more upbeat and it's exciting but then it kind of has this yo-yo effect so then it's like oh we have a fast car we're getting out of here creating a new life and then mm -hmm. sadness and it was like this roller coaster effect so that was an interesting way to compose like the track list so I thought that was interesting but as I said before the storytelling was just top notch. Like every single time I was listening to a song, I could visualize it. The only thing that I thought was like really kind of key to point out when I listened to Across the Lines, I think it's the one. Yeah. That one is so eerie because it almost feels like she's talking about like she made a song in 2017 or 16 or 14. Just mm -hmm, like just heartbreaking. Mm hmm. Especially when she says, yeah. like, police, and they, it's so, I don't know, but they're late if they even come. Like, and it might be too late. That was powerful. I think you're talking, oh, yeah. I, think, I think, I think you're behind thinking of Behind the Wall. Yeah. Huh. So, Behind the Wall, <laughs> Behind the Wall is what we're about. You tried it. <laughs> <laughs> Behind the wall, I really do like behind the wall too. Domestic violence, but across the lines, it's talking about race relations in America. Yeah, she goes about the riots. She goes, yeah, she goes really. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what and that's definitely like, oh, one of the things. That, the white black girl. 
what? <laughs> I would say the emotion in her voice is the main thing I appreciated the most from this album. Like, trying to think of a better way to say it, but I really can't, is that I really loved hearing the pain in her voice because I love hearing an artist sing a song or whatever they're doing, and you can just tell that it comes from an emotional place inside of them, whether they're speaking from personal experience or just drawing from personal experience in order to convey that emotion. I felt like with with the words she was saying and the tone and the emotion in her voice, that it really just felt like this was something that she either was reliving or currently going through or just was able to draw from and really bring you into her own world. So it matched out with the amazing storytelling. And that was really created a strong presence, I would say, of her voice on the album. I agree. Yeah, I think the thing that kind of like almost pissed me off when I was listening to it was the sequencing of the track. Like three different projects, I almost had to check, and I'm like, "Am I listening to like maybe a greatest hits album?" And there's like all her hits on all of her different songs on one project. It just didn't feel to me like very cohesive. And like usually, what we ask on here is, "What did you think the overall theme of the album was?" I have no idea. I had an idea when I first started, and then I had an idea. When I got to the middle section, I had an idea at the end, but it was like, I don't know what I listened to. And I feel bad saying that because, look, see, Trapman means to, um, one, that genre of music, but the fact that she represented us in that genre of music. And she was major, major successful. I think this album got nominated for a bunch of Grammys. I think she even won one or a few. Um, so I'm very happy for her. Um, and I know she's she's happy with herself. I, I I just did not enjoy this. And I was very frustrated while I was listening to it. But at the same time, I'm like, why are you frustrated? Maybe it's just not um for the natural. I don't I don't know. I maybe I'm just to me when I was listening to this, I just thought of I just thought of life. Like life in her eyes, because she talks about what she sees, what she wants. She talks about what we would like, what everyone wants most of the time. They want to be free. They want to find love. But at the same time, she's being realistic, especially in her eyes as a black woman. She's talking about domestic violence, stuff that this is the '80s, stuff that's happening to that she's seeing and hearing, and now we're in 2018. And we all can relate to her, what she's saying. And that's why I was just saying, I just see, I just feel like when I was listening, I was just like, man, life. Like we're going ups and down. We have these moments in life where we're, we want to fight. We want to revolt. We want to like make things better for ourselves. And then we get this, get into this fast car. We're like, all right, I'm, on, I'm hitting the road steady. I found this job. I'm working. I'm making money. I'm, you know, I'm getting married. This is great. And then a wall hits. And you turn on the TV and you see someone getting shot because of they look like you, or you you know you hear about all this domestic violence. For instance, CDC released something about um, and not to be so dark right now, but this is just how I felt like re- like listening to the album. But CDC releases this article: Black women murdered by domestic partners more than any women of any other race. And then you see, this is a song from the 80s, and you see this, this is here right now, you know? And then he talks about love and how it's just something we all want, no matter what, who we are, what we want, but we, we 
Like, and we want that. So that's why for me, I think if I were to, I'm kind of skipping forward, sorry, Ron, but if I were to think about the theme, I'll just think of life. I don't know why, but that's just the first thing that comes to my head when I was listening to it. This might be disrespectful, and I apologize in advance. I did not believe her for most of this project. There are songs on her where I'm like, I didn't believe what she was saying. I didn't believe that she, I didn't believe that she felt what she was saying. Wow, um, I didn't really? look at the, I, I don't know. That's just how I felt through many of the songs on here, especially the middle portion, which probably really turned me off from this album. And I think it's one of her biggest hits. But from Baby until like Why, I was just so turned off from this That's album. So and maybe it was the more so the instrumentation. Um, but it was also the lyrics. I felt like she slapped me in the face with with the lyrics, like listening to them and kind What of, in particular? Like, oh. I guess I would want to know. Especially like Mountains, Old Things, and She's Got Her Ticket. But mostly Baby Can I Hold You. And I know we're going to talk about this soon with Nikki. I was like, is this something she wanted to do? Because it just feels, these all feel out of place from what I was just like trying to get into. And I was trying to get into that. And right when I was like, I, I kind of love Behind the Wall because it was, I loved how it started off acapella. And then, yeah. like, when we switched over, I was like, damn, you almost had me. You don't want to be a part of this anymore. Huh. But I think the tricky part is that Baby Can I Hold You is not much different from the rest of the album because the words are actually still about pain. Mm. It's, it's literally about how she has a lover who he's been with for years who can't say sorry who doesn't say that they forgive her like or that she doesn't forgive them or she doesn't say sorry to them like they just have a breakdown in communication and that's what the song is actually about so just more pain it's not like it's like a love song that came out of nowhere you know yeah it just didn't fit to me and i'm sorry maybe i need to go and listen again but it just didn't fit it didn't fit. But even with like Mount you, even with Mountain Ohio, so you didn't uh you didn't like that? Not really. I, I didn't like the music choices at that or point. Mount I was just over it. I didn't I was over kinda like the wasn't the mountain at that point. I know at some point I don't even fuck this piano come from, man. I don't like this. I, <laughs> wow. You were just mad at that point. I got really upset at that point. I'm like, what are we doing here? If you're going to try something different, try it. And then it felt like it's somebody forcing her to do this. Wow. And I, I don't know. And I don't know anything. I got to say a lot. I don't know anything about Tracy Chapman. I've never researched her by name. And I know Fast Car, and I know we need a rev or we are a revolution. We need a revolution. Not we need a revolution. That's Aaliyah. Talking about a revolution. Um, I know that as Tracy Chapman. And I know a lot of people have made fun of her. I know Eddie Murphy, the skit, or was it Whoopi? Someone made a skit on Saturday Night Live about her. That's really all I know about her. And I feel like I'm not giving her her full respect, and I feel bad. But listening to this album, I'm like, folk music is probably just not for me. I don't fuck with Bob Dylan. I don't mess with, you know, other folk. Um, I know that they're full songwriters, and that's why I wish, like, I would love for somebody to do a cover album. How do you know they're beautiful songwriters, though, if you don't enjoy their music? I know because Bob Dylan wrote 
some of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard, just not by him. Mm. But I love her lyrics on this album, um, especially with Fast Car. I love that song. I love the lyrics to that song. I just wish, and I don't even know who could do it, but I just wish somebody else would pick it up and do it differently, really. Mm. I'm going to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So right about now, let's usually start talking about the singles here. And in this case, it's a little bit different since none of us were alive, really, when this album was rolling out. It was back in 88, I think, is when it came out. But we still definitely talk about our thoughts on them. So the singles for this album were first, Fast Car, at least right around the same time as the album came out. And then later on, Talking About a Revolution and Baby Can I Hold You. So how did you guys feel about those songs? Were they some of your faves? Did you, you know, enjoy them? What were your thoughts? Yeah, I definitely think I enjoyed all three of those. Probably all three of those are in my top five on the album. Yeah. I like, I like <clears throat> Fast Car because I just kind of like, once again, the visualization is like, hey, that's all the stuff in the past that I have to deal with, but we about to peace out and I'm with somebody that I love. They make me feel alive, but we out and we're heading to a better future. Mm. Like, I really like that song. Fast Car, and I'm jumping a little bit ahead here, definitely sticks out as my top song here because when I first listened to the album, um, the intro track, I was like, okay, I'm not sure if I'll be feeling this. Maybe it can go either way. I heard Fast Car, and I was like, oh, okay. So I, like, I kind of like this one. I think I can rock with this. And then that really much, pretty much ended up being the last song that I really enjoyed on the album. So I can definitely understand why they chose it to be a single. I think it has a little bit more of the general appeal to it. And I, I found it to be enjoyable, even if I didn't enjoy the entire project. It's definitely the most upbeat song. <laughs> so I think that's why people liked it the most on this album. Um, but yeah, I like them. I mean, Baby Can I Hold You is probably at the bottom of my favorite songs, but it was still a good song. Let's not ask Brian. So let's move, keep moving. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of baby, can I hold you? <laughs> That's a good one. time for us to segue into the conversation talking about Nikki and her recent. I don't even know what's word to use shenanigans that she's had with Tracy Chapman. So have you guys heard about that? Yeah. 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 Nikki, Brian, you got the details Nikki. to break it down for us. I feel like you, 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 uh, you, you know a little about this one. I I know top level. All right. Um, so Nikki came out with an album this year that we've talked about a few times called Queen. Um, and if you remember, the album was pushed back a few times. And one of those times was blamed on the fact that she wanted to get clearance from a quote unquote legend. She wouldn't tell us who it was at the time. It ended up being Tracy Chapman because um, she told us and she told her fans to basically harass <laughs> Tracy Chapman so that she can give her the clearance to use the song. Tracy said no <laughs> and said no again uh, to every fan who answered. Um, well, Nikki did not put the song on the album, but she somehow gave, I guess, the track to, was it Funk, Ma Funk Master Flex or some prominent radio person in New York that, you know, or Big Boy maybe. Um, I think it was Funk. funk was it Funk Bastard? All right. And he played it on the radio, and Nikki got sued. Uh, that's basically the short version of it. Nas is on the track. I hear it's a good song. I never actually listened to it. Um, but yeah, Nikki got to come out with some money to Tracy, which I say, hey, you live hard, you play hard, you pay hard. <laughs> 
That's a good one. <laughs> did you make that up by yourself? I did, right here on the spot. Like, I'm proud. <laughs> Wait, so she really is paying out? Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. She's getting, she, she's getting, getting taken to court over this. Oh. So I think well, she actually only like, played it once. Like, maybe maybe a couple, they played it a couple times that <laughs> night, but it was really only out there for a day. But it was long enough for it to get back to Tracy and her people, and she was not happy about it. I just can't wait to write a song and it go do anything. And I want somebody to try it. I sue everybody just for thinking about writing my song. Yeah, wait. Y'all laughing, but you wait. I got a few bops coming out. Can you give us a sneak peek? Okay, never mind. We don't need no sneak peek. Who got the keys to the You're already copying. For, you're already getting sued. See you. <laughs> you're already getting okay, sued. Wow. Right. Wow. <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, I mean, uh, Dom, how do you feel about this? Uh, about the Nicki Minaj stuff? Yeah. I think it's completely ridiculous. I just think that's so disrespectful. If she said no, and you've asked her a million times, then just respect the no. Like, it was... Obviously, you valued the work enough to want to use it. But then when she says no, that's just completely disrespectful. So I just, I don't know. I just, not that I had a huge amount of respect for Nikki, but I just think that was just really surprising, I would say. Like, I just can't believe that she did that. Nikki's trying to find all the ways to get back. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) She's trying to find all the ways. And I just gotta wonder, was it, it worth it? Like, like looking back when she's like, "Damn, I should never even sent that to him." It couldn't have been worth no, it. I think, I honestly think Nikki is cocky enough where she thinks, "Oh, I can get away with it," and I'm popular enough, I'm big enough that nothing will happen to me. And I'm, I, I hope, I hope it's an expensive mistake that she just really expensive. I I don't know. My other viewpoint, if it's not malicious, is just that she really believed in the work and the art and she wanted people to hear it and was willing to pay. Like as in like the art of Tracy? <laughs> the art like her the what she crafted using that sample. So she was like, you know, this is gold. I, I just want people to hear it. I really thought you were about to do a Nicki Minaj uh, impersonation. I was so excited. <laughs> oh, <dude>. <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited. <laughs> Sorry. It would be so bad. I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Look, know yourself. <laughs> All right. But you well, just can't so take it we... and turn it into your own stuff for your game. Like, you can't do that. No. Especially if, like, I just can't imagine Tracy bopping a Nicki Minaj. I'm going to just put that out there. So it's yeah. like, do I really want to be associated with you for the rest of my life? Nah, I'm good. I'm good, love. I'm good, love. Don't enjoy. Don't enjoy. Don't enjoy. <laughs> Don't enjoy. <laughs> do not. I wish you would enjoy, uh, all right? <laughs> yeah, man. So hopefully Nikki, Nikki learned her lessons, and hopefully she'll make the same mistake again, although I will be happy to laugh at her expense going forward. But before we wrap this up, man. (laughs) You almost caught me slipping. I caught it. (laughs) All right, before we wrap this up and get out of here, is there anything that you guys want to talk about with this album? Any other songs you want to mention or any any thoughts you got lingering out there? The only thing I want to add is that I had always loved Fast Car Behind the Wall and she's got her ticket. But listening to the album again, really 
shifting my perspective on For My Lover, that song I just thought was extremely beautiful. It's kind of the whole like cliche, I'll give my all for my lover song, but you know, with her voice and her her way of storytelling. But that song I just thought was just, it stood out on the album to me because it was probably like the only two like love songs. I would say that listening to the album the third time and listening to Mountain No Things, I really enjoyed that. I don't know if it's because it was on Black Friday and just with all the things that happened on Black Friday and all the materialistic things we enjoy, mm. it was literally talking about that. Like having all this money, having all this stuff that we can't, we just keep wanting to pile up and pile up and pile up. And it really doesn't mean anything. And I was just like, it spoke to me. I don't know if it was just because it was in the moment and just seeing all the trash I hit about Black Friday and seeing how people act and treat others over materialistic things. I really enjoyed that uh, so, uh, track or song. Yeah, that was perfect timing for that. Yeah. So, I guess... The... Can, I, can I ask this unpopular question? that I've already asked a few times. If you could, if you, not if you could, yeah, if you could have someone else <laughs> record this album or tribute it, let's be respectful, guys. If someone else could tribute Tracy Chapman and, you know, a producer, a singer, did it in their own way, like, out of pure respect to her, who would you like to see do it? Or who do you think could do it? Who should do it? Mm, my first pick would be maybe Indiari or someone of her nature. Mine was Solange, but I do love Indiari. I think that's a good one. Wow, I think I'm going to be like way left here. <laughs> I think mine is Janet. Fantasia. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would actually say like someone like Adele. Oh, that's, that's really, yeah, yeah. That. someone like that. And the only reason I say that, this goes back to that Bob Dylan reference I used earlier. One song that he wrote, one of his most popular, is um, "Make You Feel My Love." Mm. And if you listen to his version, <laughs> don't do it. Okay, <laughs> just don't. Just appreciate the <laughs> fact that he wrote it. But if you listen to hers, and there's many people who've done it, Amy Winehouse has a really good version of it, um, especially live. But And there's like some American Idol people who did it that do it really good. But Dell, man, she did it on uh, her album 19. And it's just one of the most beautiful things that you've ever listened to, just from the lyrics. And I feel like I could see her doing the same thing with this, uh, with her crew of producers kind of mixing it a little different, I would be interested to hear that. Am I wrong for picking a white person? Is that somebody going to tell me that? But <laughs> that's just who I pick. Even though I feel like <laughs> Dale invited to the cookout at this point. So we good. Maybe, maybe yours. Oh. Hey, she can. She got money. <laughs> 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 wow. I think it's time to close the side. <laughs> Yep, so with that, I think we can go ahead and get up out of here. We appreciate you once again for joining us, Dom. We had some great conversations tonight. Wait, so wait, 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 wait. How do we go this whole episode without having to talk about Chef Dom and her projects yeah. and her 
you know. See, if you let me finish, I was about to pass it off to her to do that. Okay. See, you got to let the host okay. host. All right. Oh, you got to let the host host. Okay. All right. You're right. Beep, beep. Put in the problem. Beep, beep. Put in the problem. Put in the problem. <laughs> now you want to hear your new, uh, I got a theme song recommendation for you. Oh, okay. Just let me know when you're ready. All right. Let's, whenever. Send it my way. <clears throat> Oh, you're going to perform. Oh, okay. That's what we're doing. Just, okay. Just know I'm trying to preserve my voice. So, okay. please be respectful. Oh it's the meatless, meatless, meatless. Oh, we ain't got no meat over here. <laughs> please, Anchor, let us get the functionality of you people so we can just <laughs> cut this off at, whenever we want. That's what we really need. I wish I could just click on your name and just click yep. on you. I'm trying to do it right now, but nothing's happening. I'm just saying. Wait till that pop off, though. I'm going to record it for you. You're right. All right. Anyways. All right, Dom. So, now it's time. So when I, which you, now it's time when I go ahead and give you a chance to go ahead and plug your different promotions. I know you got a lot of stuff you do for the streets. So go ahead and let people know where they can find you and all the stuff you got going on. Absolutely. So what I'm most proud of is Meals Without Meat. Follow us on Facebook at Meals Without Meat, and there you'll find all types of recipes, and our aim is just to verify them, actually cook them, try them, and give recommendations to folks. We'll be launching the website very soon, so there'll be versions hey. of the recipes, and then also you can buy like specialty vegan items from the site, so we're really excited about that. And that is really the biggest project so far that I'm ready to discuss, but more in the works. Oh, if anyone ooh, has any questions, anything vegan related, I am a resource and I would love to answer the questions. I'm on Instagram at me with me. Hey, they got big stuff popping. Look, also another one, also another friend of ours that got a passport and traveling. Just let y'all know who our who our crew is and who we hang out with. Hey, just let y'all know. Hey, just let y'all know. Hey, yeah. We're not flexing or anything, but we just let y'all know <laughs> we got a crew. <laughs> All right, B, go ahead and let people know where they can find you. We vegan. All right, uh, don't add me <laughs> at God. Um, Dom, I love you. Thanks for being on the podcast. I always look up to you. Please don't hate me after my album review of Tracy Chapman. I promise you, Tracy, I love you too. Um, if you want to share some of that Nikki money with me, I appreciate it. Um, I'll just say, um, everybody, it's not too late to vote. Yeah, not that vote, but this vote. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We got two more weeks to vote for... Um, the Janet Jackson into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and we can do it, and we will do it. This is our year. Um, I will also say, just love on people. Like, just love on somebody. Call somebody, tell them you love them. Uh, call your friends that you haven't talked to, tell them you love them. Even if they don't like to hear, quote, unquote, that stuff. Like, just tell them. It'll make them feel good. All right? I'm out. Yeah, Yo, B, if you shoot me... Though. Right, you should guys. If you shoot me the link and five dollars to my Venmo, I will go ahead and vote for her tonight. Who? Cool. I need the money though. For the front. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll talk about that offline. <laughs> we vegan. Uh, no. Be this. I love that. I love that. Oh dude. my god! Why can't I mute you? <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. 
if you want to catch me, you can get me at me on Twitter at TaylorMadeLife. You can find me on there pretty most days. I'm, I'm cruising the timeline in the streets. Still losing followers. I feel like someone heard me mention this last week and they decided to call me just to be funny. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> real. But hey, you know what? I respect really the video. Right? <laughs> I do. Because <laughs> that's something that I would do. <laughs> but yeah, if you want to get at me, if that's where you can find me. Go ahead and end us out of here, Conrad. All right, you guys can find me on Twitter at that fella underscore Connie, uh, Big C22 on Instagram. Uh, things I have to say to you guys. Um, this was not planned, but it kind of fitting to what we talked about with being your authentic self and also what Brian just said before he closed out. But the first thing is push aside limiting beliefs that hold you back in any way and take control of what you wish to make of your life. Create your dreams, trust your power. Um, and then the second thing tagging off of loving on someone and being with people and being their presence. The most valuable thing anyone can give is their total presence. Um, that's exactly why I am humbled by the art of quality time, the way I see it out of everyone in these world, in this world, there are people that would prefer to spend it with me. And I'm always honored to be who to be who they want to create future memories with. That was written by diamond Darius. So love on someone like yeah. Brian said. Um, if someone wants, to, hey, tell tell your husband to stop texting us real quick. All right, we're trying to close out the day. <laughs> um, and interrupting me, rude. Um, look, if people want to be with you, just know they really want to be in your presence. They want to hang out with you. They're taking the time to be with you. They can be doing anything else in the world, anything else at that time, but they want to hang out with you. So enjoy them. Be in their presence. Put your phone down. Have a conversation. Go for a walk. Go for a hike where there's no snakes. Um, do be with people. Why do we love holidays so much? You know, we get hours uh, talking bad about you know Black Friday, but really we love holidays because that's the time we get to be with family. We get to see relatives we haven't seen in so long, and we get to enjoy their quality of time. So enjoy those moments. Um, with that being said, Donald, Donald. <laughs> All right, Donald, I'm going to let you live today. I'm going to let you be your authentic self. Don't be a kangaroo because we don't like him. But I'm going to let you be today. Don't be who's man so we're going to find you. Hey, I'm not going to let him live. I just want to say real quick, I can't wait for you to watch Mufasa die. And hide oh, oh, wow. <laughs> Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now we can get out of here. <laughs> <laughs>